Welcome to episode 44 of MADE, the podcast about purpose-driven design, making, and manufacturing. Let's continue our conversation. Welcome back to MADE, everyone. I am Jose Valcarcel, and with me always is Claudia Bergan. Barragan. Yes, I'm here. Hello. Are you? And Ray's not with us because uh, Ray's been busy, so he hasn't been able to record. And we've all sort of been in hiatus for a bit just because we've all been busy. Yeah, it's been a busy summer. It's been um, a busy year. Yeah, as a whole. Like, it's, mm. it's going fast, which I think is one of the reasons why we also haven't been on. Yeah, yeah. Um, but because the Maker Fair was coming, and it's kind of Maker Fair season we decided we wanted to sort of relaunch and come back on and, and start recording in a more semi-regular basis. Yeah, and restructure a little bit more too. Um, just lessons learned from about 40 episodes plus, right, that we've mm-hmm. had. So that's usually a, a good time to... to reevaluate. Yeah, reevaluate, figure out what we're doing, where we're going, how we're doing things and the mm-hmm. content of it, uh, add more things that Mm -hmm. I think would help from the feedback that we received as well so yeah yeah and uh, uh, also probably get more involved uh, with the YouTube channel I'm gonna start uploading I'm gonna start by uploading all the sort of previous episodes and catch up hopefully fairly quickly to the current episodes yeah uh, as well as video part of the maker fair and what the like tiny little show that you heard before the intro was is that we actually went to a podcast um, seminar one mm. one evening, and it was pretty good because it was it was basically like twelve people or something like that. Like everybody wanted to you know exchange information about podcasts and how to do it and all these other things. And at the end, they even like you go through this process of giving suggestions to each other. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that was like the big one was connecting the video cast right. with the podcast so really because it's kind of hard to show to be a to be a maker podcast and saying oh this is the these are the projects that we're working on but not necessarily showing them mm-hmm. uh, or like these are the softwares that we like or that we think they're best and then not necessarily being able to expand on those so we're gonna be doing a lot more vid- video casts yeah we're gonna try we're gonna see how how it goes how mm-hmm. how, how it translates best. And we're It'll also going to write more, and we're going to write more too. Mm-hmm. We're going to try to put a little bit more of a blog for every episode. Mm-hmm. But yeah, these are just some of the things that are coming. So stay yeah, tuned. Yeah, and even some uh, kind of side podcasts as well. Yeah, which maybe we don't want to say too much about yet. Yeah, it's but coming yeah, though. Yeah, some of that stuff. Um, but let's get to the topic of the day, which is World Maker Fair. Yay! Um, <laughs> people have already probably heard, or hopefully they've heard. The previous episode, episode 43, which was the recording we did the day before World Maker Fair for the, the Maker Dinner is what it was called. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, I mean, that was interesting on its own because we had to, we got a chance to interview Dale Doherty, who is, of course, the CEO of Maker Media, basically the father of Make Magazine and Maker Fair. Um, but now we want to play sort of the other interviews because we walked around. We didn't have a, we didn't have a booth this year. We'd sort of... We've done it last two years. We're going to take a break from that, and we just sort of walked around and got to see everybody and did some interviews. Yeah. 
The other big thing about this this year is that uh, we actually invited a friend of, of, of ours, mm-hmm. uh, Alex, and he is um, he's not a maker. He's he's a data analyst, which is really cool because looking at it from that perspective of uh, open source and data and the information that's out there. Um, he was really excited to be there, and yeah, we were able and, to. And he's a local, well, localish. I guess he's still like a forty-five minutes away by by the subway. Yeah, in New York. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but it was great having him there, so it was mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah, um, so I think we should get right into the interviews, and then we'll come back and sort of give our impressions of Maker Fair and what we thought how everything went this year. All right, enjoy. All right. So we'll start, I'll, I'll start with putting a little bit from the sort of media press conference and then we'll jump right into the interviews. All right, perfect. Hi everybody. Um, I think one of the reasons we started this event was to spread this idea but but more you know in, in action make make to I always say make more makers is the goal of Maker Fair and to introduce it to people by not talking to them but letting them see and, and experience uh, making uh, see what other people do the creative work and you kind of just get the feel of it walking around you see all these different things that are moving around robots and games that people create and. Um, it's not all commercial stuff. It's mm-hmm. just kind of stuff that people have created. And I think it's very accessible. You can imagine yourself doing it. And I think, you know, we designed this event to be family-oriented, not a bunch of guys doing stuff in, in, you know, like a geek convention, but really wanted all kinds of people coming, all ages. And, uh, and I, it's been wonderful, particularly this event, to see, you know, how many different kinds of people we have here. And I, I often look at the crowds and say, well, man, how, how do they know to come? You know, how do they find out about it? Where are they coming from? What do they want? What do they go home and do afterwards? And, uh, and it's, um, but, I, you know, from the beginning, I saw, the, I saw the expressions on kids' faces here, and I knew they wanted to be part of this. They wanted to figure out how to be makers. And it's like going to a, a concert and seeing guitars, and, and you could maybe figure out that you want to play guitar as a result or play sports as a, go into a game. But, you know, if you want to be a maker, where do you go? And so we've been, nearly you know, almost since 2010 working on the idea of maker spaces and schools and libraries, um, museums like, like uh, NYSI here doing it. And, you know, it needs to be almost omnipresent in your life. It isn't just something at a school or one activity does this. It's, it sort of gets reinforced over and over. And I think it's become really a profound agent of change in schools and education in ways that we haven't seen this before. It's, most things are kind of federally mandated and passed mm-hmm. down and don't really work, STEM. And, um, and then this has come in from the bottom with teachers bringing in, students bringing in, parents helping out. Uh, and yesterday we had an education forum, about 275 teachers uh, from New York, New Jersey, Brazil, uh, Lebanon, you know, really kind of all over the place, uh, wanting to talk to each other about how they do, do things. What does their makerspace look like? How do they work with kids? How it's not just transforming a makerspace at school, but transforming the school itself into a better learning experience for kids. And, you know, part of our goal is if you love doing this, you'll do it outside of school, you'll do it in school, you'll do it your whole life. And that's kind of what we're trying to 
you know, spark that uh, in, in lots of people here. So that's, that's uh, uh, and I think we're, we're seeing good progress on that. So. So basically, in order for it to know where the piece falls, it needs to see it optically. And it doesn't use a wavelength that you can see for that. Instead, it uses infrared light. So it's got a detector there. And when it no longer sees infrared light, well, originally it was when the piece is reflecting the infrared light back onto the detector, it knows, oh, I see a piece. Yeah. But now that we're outside, yeah. there's always infrared light coming yeah. in from the sun. So we had to switch it so that now when there's not light and the piece is blocking it, now it knows that there's a piece in front of it. Oh, cool. So where's the piece that's blocking it? Uh, one of the pieces that you drop in. That you drop in. Oh, yeah. that's what it does. Okay, cool. Got it. Cool. Very cool. It was a really hard solution like to find. And yeah. we actually uh, were like asking around last night at a dinner. And a couple really helpful people came over and had great ideas. And they were great. Oh, cool. Yeah. So you guys learned on the spot. And the biggest thing is like you knew to ask. Yes. For the help too, right? Like, yeah. really cool. It's one of the reasons Maker Fair is great. You can talk to other makers. Everyone's got like great original creative ideas. Yeah. It started with your idea of doing this thing and then it's like how do you like as a community like resolve the different things that happen? That's yeah. really cool. Can you just tell me what grade? Like I, I you guys are high school? Yeah. No way. Grade, in the eleventh grade? Yes. Yeah. We built this thing in tenth grade though. Really? It's taken the last year. Oh wow. When did you start making it? Traemos aquí el proyecto de Geodon. Este es un prototipo de la estructura que tenemos en, la, en México, que bueno, mide 5 metros cuadrados de, de, por transportación y todo ese rollo con todos los trenes. Pero el chiste de todo este proyecto va mucho enfocado al Green Life Solutions, que es como todo esto de, de producir, consumir orgánico, ganando como beneficios para el ambiente, pero también económicos y personales. Entonces tenemos aquí, por ejemplo, esta estructura que imprimimos en 3D, que van a dar todo el trabajo real. Eh, que son para ciudades como esta de Nueva York en las que pues no hay mucha gente y pocos papeles ¿Sí? entonces puedes crear eh, torres de, pues, de cultivos y ¿Sí? puedes tener tu oficina donde quieras y combinado con tecnología que ya existía como es el, el M-Bot bueno lo que hacemos es montar una de estas eh, bots aquí en el M-Bot y la volvemos a más inteligente que huye o se acerca del sol dependiendo de quién necesite la planta Sí, claro. Y lo más, lo más increíble es que esto puede ser programado por un niño de 6 años porque la, la promoción es muy amigable. Es lo que tenemos aquí en el lado. De este otro lado... ¿Está bien? ¿Está bien? 
tenemos ya enfocado como el hermano de este proyecto, que son germinadores. Los germinadores funcionan con unas eh, ciertas más semillas que les llamamos microseeds, y bueno, de hecho, las pusimos ayer y ya están, como, ya, ya están creciendo. Están todas automatizadas y está todo como monitoreado, porque bueno, sabemos que las dudas se mueren muy fácil, entonces tenemos aquí de hecho. Luz de luz, ah, la luz, que es una luz rosada que digamos que simula ser el sol. Tenemos sensores de humedad y sensores de temperatura. Y bueno, aquí esto es básicamente lo mismo, solo que esto es como para, por ejemplo, usted que tiene como, o sea, digamos, si tiene una mujer en una familia, es para cuatro miembros de una familia y es para uno. Lo, la magia de todo esto es que lo puedes tener en tu cocina. Así de que, y si un día tú quieres decir, yo quiero comer hoy eh, una salsa de tomate y agarras tu tomate de aquí, que te digo que hace dos semanas, y o sea, yo no tienes todo listo, no tienes que ir al mercado en nada. Y está súper padre también porque, como digo, Green Solutions va enfocado mucho de ganar, ganar. Entonces, tanto es económico porque sabemos que el orgánico ahorita está súper caro y súper de moda. Entonces, consumo esto orgánico, ¿cómo se organiza todo esto? Y todo esto, bueno, lo hicimos. Este proyecto se empezó primero con la compañía Synetics, que es de aquí. Y bueno, nosotros estamos incluidos por el Colegio Americano porque así ya es como todo de inclusividad, del sentido de que en la escuela hacemos como más cosas de la vida real. Y bueno, vamos a ver con la compañía porque pues fue el primer proyecto de ellos. Entonces, este, como que nos permite también darnos como un ámbito laboral de cómo es la vida y todo eso. Ya, entonces uno lo puede comprar, ¿y dónde lo produce? ¿Dónde puede ah, comprar? Eh, el... La produce Cinetics, sí, sí, la produce Cinetics, entonces sí, o sea, de hecho, si ¿Ah? algún día van a México sí. y todo eso, en el sur de México, en Tabasco, quieren, quieren uno, de hecho, o sea, se los... Sí, en Tabasco, eh, de hecho, incluso si nos mandan, tenemos una promoción, de hecho, por estar aquí en New York, de si nos mandan este, uno saca este número, les vamos a mostrar una template, Vamos a mandar una template para que hagan un DIY project como estos que tenemos aquí. Sí, porque en verdad tenemos que esa tecnología llega a todo el mundo y que todo el mundo está utilizando porque, bueno, aquí en Estados Unidos la primera razón por contaminación de, de suelo es son las crops. Y la, es la segunda por aire. Entonces sabemos que este proyecto literal podrá acabar, podrá acabar con el hambre. Justamente una de las eh, razones de este proyecto mucho enfocado a los ODS, que son los objetivos de sustentabilidad que establece la ONU. Y está en hambre cero, en todo este rollo de ambiental y todo sí, eso. Sí, sí. Perfecto. Y además todo pequeño que lo puedes poner en tu casa, sí, claro. lo puedes tener en un apartamento, sí. o si eres estudiante puedes tener en otro propio cuarto y de, de esa manera puedes hacer todo. Como sabemos que veníamos a New York, sabemos sí, que todos están enfocados como todo pequeño y todo, porque no hay espacio, sí. tratamos de hacerlo como todo compacto, todo aquí bonito, así como perfecto, así, tómalo y ya. Ya, exacto. Y al mismo tiempo también, si no tienes mucho dinero, entonces exacto. también puedes comprar algo que sea pequeñito o también algo más Sí, claro. Justamente yo intenté llevar una dieta orgánica por un mes y es sumamente caro, o sea, sumamente caro, es casi casi insostenible, pero con este tipo de proyectos en los que ayudas al ambiente, ya ayudas a tu economía, ya a tu salud, o sea, es como ganar, ganar de todos lados. Sí, ay, bueno, muchísimas gracias. One of the uh, reasons why I stopped by was because of the name Code Liberate. So I'm um, here to find out a little bit more about it. So can you explain to us what Code Liberate is? Yeah. Uh, so uh, we're, we started out of a makerspace at Columbia University and basically we're trying to make a, collabora a hardware collaboration platform. Uh, so this is uh, a 
space where you could go online and then connect with other makers, uh, find somebody who knows how to do different uh, manufacturing things that you don't know how to do, collaborate with them and make whatever you want to make. Um, so we're starting. We we're starting to build that platform and then starting to build build that. Security systems, swipe systems. So these would be connected to each different tool in your makerspace, and you would be able to say, you would come with your school ID or with another ID that you provided to you, and you would be able to swipe your ID. If you had access to the tool, you'd be able to use it for a set period of time, and then it would expire, and no one would be able to use it after you left. So we want to we want to. Build out the platform so that uh, you can sign up, scheduling a little bit more scheduling. So, say you want to sign up for a tour on Saturday at 2 p.m. for two hours, you could do that through our interface. You could do quizzes on the interface too to get training on tools. So, prove you know how to use a 3D printer or, or mill. Um, you could probably provide references for that. So, we're trying to put together the whole thing. Yeah. So one of the reasons why we wanted to point this out was because in DC we have a public makerspace, right? At the DC Public Libraries. And one of the issues that we had was that it wasn't really accessible uh, because you had to go through the training, you had to go online, set up the schedule, then try to make it to the training. Once you're trained, you make, make sure that they have your information. And doing all that entire process as an immigrant who may not know the language and may not have access to all this is really difficult. So that was one of the reasons why, it's one of the many reasons why the, um, that particular makerspace, even though it's public, it's really only accessible to those who have the privilege of being able to do that. And a lot of that was an administrative um, uh, problem, right? And I think this would be a great solution that we can try to pitch to these public schools to have It'd be great. the makerspace. And you know what? Part of the reason why this is great for public schools is because compared to all the other management systems that exist, we have, like, I would say, the cheapest and simplest thing. I mean, it's people from Columbia makers, Columbia University makers in New York City that saw this and were like, look, we can do this simple on a Raspberry Pi, we can make the materials cost very little, we can market it for 500 bucks for our most expensive unit one time, right? So most people have like recurring revenue models where it's like, you're basically renting hardware from people, uh, which is like silly. Uh, and we, we made it all in one for you to manage the space efficiently. Uh, so it optimizes the space and then we actually, the platform that we're releasing in October, November, is going to give you the ability to do some of the things Jack talked about, to actually take all these metrics to know exactly what's happening, do training, do quizzes, have everything working, and also, let's say also in terms of access for people that maybe don't have the resources or have the know-how, we are connecting this in a kind of like hardware GitHub fashion, where you're gonna be able to share your documentation and take other people's documentations and learn from people and work with people like remotely to be able to develop things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the tracking is really cool because um, there is no way of measuring how many um, uh, Vietnamese students from the area are actually using this, right? right. Or like um, specific ages or even seniors yeah. are actually using yeah. space. And that's because they're not tracking it. And this would be a really good tool for them to track. So yes. that would yes. be amazing. So when, right, so you're, you're a user, yeah. right? You register here, yeah. and the manager, depending on what you'd like to share with him, has all of that information. Yeah. So we know exactly what's happening in yeah. that space. Yeah, and then for us, then we can actually see an increase in in access, and like it's actually reaching. Measurable. Yeah. So it's one of the biggest issues with nonprofits is how do you measure success? Yeah. And like this gives you a way.
way to provide meat to the measurements. Yes. You know? uh, so, so is your launch going to be a full launch or are you launching through Kickstarter? or? So we're having basically the first iteration of our platform will be coming out in, like I said, October, November. Probably like early November, late October. That's what we're shooting for. It's in development right now. Um, one of our teammates is actually like a uh, uh, into decentralized manufacturing and he works in Estonia. So we're developing it in Estonia with some of our friends. Uh, right. And so then that, the first iteration will do some of the stuff Jack talked about, like uh, the management, like metrics, so the manager will be able to access the space and see what's exactly what's going on. And then all those co-working co functions that we're going to develop in the next few months following, that'll come on uh, secondarily. So first we're orientated toward like, how do we optimize the space for people in the simplest, most efficient, most informative way? And then, and then how do we connect those spaces? Because making is very isolated. What we do in New York is different what they do in California, is different what they do in other countries, right? We practically may as well be different countries. Uh, we, I, know, I don't know if you read Nation of Makers this past uh, spring, but like the first national conference in the U.S. just happened uh, in New Mexico. Yeah, so it's only just starting to become like a, a unified idea, uh, and we're trying to push that as fast as possible. Yeah. So, how, uh, okay, what uh, what is that link if somebody wants to get a hold of you guys or find out more if about you? If someone wants to get a hold of us, go to collaborate.io, C-O-L-I-B-E-R-A-T-E, -E, like collaborate but co-liberate. Mm -hmm. uh, social consciousness is definitely one of the things we shoot for, and uh, .io, and you can see all the stuff we're doing. Rescue Pie and Rescue Kinetic. Can you tell me your name a little bit and about yourself and why okay. you guys uh, okay. uh, 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 I'm uh, Joseph uh, and uh, I'm uh, interested in uh, using technology uh, to solve uh, problems. Right? Uh, so I'm uh, using uh, STEM uh -huh. uh, education. Okay, so the way they do STEM is, they are, to me, I think they are doing the wrong way. Oh, why? No, because um, science is something that you are curious about. Yes. Uh, but the way they teach it now is That's about uh, how to pass a test. Yes. Uh, so they, they destroy your curiosity. Yes. Yeah, uh, but you have to meet those metrics. Uh, you yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, so, but I want to create an environment where you, uh, you go there to explore. Yes. Uh, so, uh, so it's, it's not about uh, preparing for a test. Yeah. Uh, it's about uh, open here, right? Uh -huh. So, like, uh, using robotics is an ideal way to get uh, exposed to uh, those kind of uh, environment, right? Uh, so, like, um, you can go and buy a lot of robot uh, kits, right? They are all standardized, right? But what I've done is that uh, you can go and buy these models, like, $4 on Amazon. So $4 on Amazon, okay. So, uh -huh. so I've, I've, uh, I've designed uh, the motor mouse. Yes. Uh, it it only requires four screws. Yes. Uh, so now, if you are building a robot, right, you can just mount it any shape you like. Yeah. Uh, so now, if you are, uh, so because you can design your shape yeah. and then get the laser cast. Yeah. Uh, so your look, the robot doesn't look have to look like anybody else's robot. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really easy and it's inexpensive and, and, it's inexpensive. and it's open with the creativity of whatever you want to do. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so this one, uh, I've designed this board. We uh, can control four of these models. Uh -huh. So you have a flexibility in the way you design uh, your, your your robot. Uh -huh. Whatever it wants to do. Yeah. Uh -huh. And uh, 
the Raspberry Pi is great because it has everything you need to do stuff, right? But if uh, one of the limitations is that you have a 40-pin connector, and most people when they do circuits, they connect things uh, one pin at a time. Okay. Uh -huh. But if you connect it one pin at a time, they are hundred percent sure to make a mistake. Uh -huh. So a lot of people try to build a project that you see on the internet, they never finish yeah. because they make a mistake. Uh -huh. So what I've done is that I've, I've built uh, a card uh, which breaks the 40 pin into something different. Uh, oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Uh -huh. So now if you have this, you have more flexibility. Uh -huh. So if you have building something, you just make a connector like this and just plug it in. Yeah. And so you connect your device to this end, right? Yeah. And then you plug in there, right? Yes. And so now you are got uh, 100% guarantee that it will work. It's going to work. That's really uh -huh. cool. So uh, this one comes in two shapes. So this is the basic one. And this is uh, for the moto. Okay. <laughs> so if you are trying to uh, make it move and motorize, uh, yeah, yeah, you can do that. Plus, this one here, it has a solenoid driver. So because uh, you have all this robot competition, right? Like robot uh, car, where you kick the ball around. Uh -huh. <laughs> so this one, it has a con controller. Okay. So you can you can use this one to build your uh, robot car uh, robot. Okay. Really cool. <laughs> so the uh, Raspberry Pi is very powerful. It has uh, a camera, and so you can do it, uh, so many things. things. Yeah, and then you can do the 3D uh, and modeling the 3D, and stuff like no, that. The 3D one is different, right? The oh, 3D it's a one. Different oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Very so cool. The, the 3D one is. Uh, okay, so like some of the things that you can do with the Raspberry Pi. Uh, you can make an LED light. Uh, you can build a robot. Uh, you can build a robot app so that you can play chess. Yeah. And so when you play chess, instead of picking the piece by hand, yeah. the robot can do that, that for you. That's really cool. Yeah. So yeah, you're so making it accessible and also open the creative process so that it's not just yeah, right. one way of doing things and something that actually may not work even. Uh -huh. right, so, but, so, but in this case, right, because um, so in the future when people uh, design something and they put it on the web, right? If you try to build it, you are 100% guaranteed that it will work. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, yeah. they just tell you a quick, uh, quick plug to plug it in, right? And that, that encourages you to continue doing it. Rather than like if it doesn't work, right, right. then you like get frustrated and you yeah. don't continue doing it. Yeah. Okay. And that's kind of like the testing yeah. of the school, right? That you like you. Because they test you and if you fail, you may not want to continue learning about science. That's very cool. Thank you so much. So I'm here with Pete from 1UP Keyboards. And uh, tell us a little bit about what your company does. Sure. We're a custom keyboard maker, manufacturer, and vendor. Uh, we're based here in New York in Staten Island. And, uh, yeah, we ship all around the world. We're, we specialize in customizable DIY kits. Mm -hmm. So what that means is you can choose your switch, whether you like a clicky switch or a soft switch or a hard switch or a switch with a bump in it, and build your keyboard up from there. Nice. All of our keyboards, the smallest to the biggest, they all, they're all based on the Arduino chips, the Atmel Atmega 32U4, which means they're fully programmable. And each key press can be changed, so you could program it to be an up arrow key, you could program it to be a letter, or you could even program it to be a full page. So it could spit out a full page with just one key press. Very cool. Um, so 
what what range are your kits from? Like, well, how what's the, what's the most expensive? What's the cheapest? Sure. So, uh, because each switch has a price, our cheapest is our smallest kits. Mm-hmm. So we offer a, it's called a Sweet Sixteen. Mm-hmm. It's a sixteen switch kit. Uh, with macros and all that functionality built into it. That starts at $30 shipped. Of course, we're doing a, a special here at the show for $25. Bucks. Um, all the way up to our most expensive keyboard, which is a full carbon fiber, uh, 10 keyless keyboard, which has 87 switches. Uh, that one uh, starts at around $250. Wow. Uh, nice. Yeah, but that is, a, that is a fully customizable whatever you want on that kind of keyboard. Ex- exactly, exactly. Nice, very nice. Now, who do you? where do you see a lot of the business coming from currently? Like, is it makers? Is it people that are building their own computer? So it's a school. Yeah, uh, so we have kind of three audiences. One is gamers. Uh, yeah, makes sense. Another is uh, keyboard enthusiasts, people who like the PC enthusiasts, yeah. who like to customize and build their own thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then IT professionals, a lot like people who used to carry around a Mont Blanc or a really mm-hmm. nice pen. Exactly. They're, they're now carrying around really nice keyboards. And because these keyboards are programmable, mm-hmm. that's not to say that the computer's programmable, but the keyboard mm-hmm. stores that functionality on it. Yeah. It means when you go to a job, you just plug in the keyboard and you can do those array of tasks. And I think that's why programmers and sysadmins and those guys they love these sorts of things because a lot of the stuff that they do commonly they can do with a single key press now do you see like uh, there's I guess there's a lot of explaining you have to do for the layperson like I, I understand how useful this is because I'm doing AutoCAD drawings I'm an architect so I know that like a lot of times I have to type in a lot of stuff in order to get a command to happen I can now if I can just press one key and the keyboard remember that I can take that from job to job exactly, or whatever exactly now but do you have to explain that a lot to people uh, it, again it depends on the level of uh, consumption that we're talking to you know at something like Maker Fair like this we get a lot of people who are makers who are interested in trying some electronics and and maybe they don't know exactly what they're going to use it for yet or they could imagine like a simple gaming function or or you know one or two things that they could use it for but we get right through to yeah exactly 3D CAD drawers who as soon as we say that it's programmable in that way and can run macros they know exactly what it's for nice thank you so much for joining us and good luck with everything you're doing here great to meet you Jose thank you so much Okay, so I'm here with John from Truxus, and uh, honestly, one of the most unique things I've seen here at the Maker Fair. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you came up with this? Explain, I guess, first to people listening what we're talking about, and then tell us how you came up with it. Sure. So, Truxes are kind of like a mix between origami and Lego. Uh, it's all paper construction, and when you fold the paper together, it makes building blocks. And uh, you can make any number of different types of building blocks, and all of those building blocks fit together. Uh, they came out of uh, actually a class assignment my very first week at MIT, and uh, it was part of a class called How to Make Almost Anything. And uh, the first assignment was to make something that uh, we were learning about tolerances, so making sure you design things to fit really well together. And, uh, yeah, I, I made sort of the first version of these uh, that worked so-so. And a couple of happy accidents later ended up with something that was bigger than I even expected. And, and now, how long have uh, you been out with Truxus? Because uh, this is the first time I see you at a makeup fair, but how long have you been out with the product itself? So this is the, just about one year, one, a little over one year. 
we kickstarted them. We were looking to raise $10,000 to do tooling to make a bunch of them. We raised about 36000 and uh, made... We've made over a quarter million troxes at this point. Wow. And, uh, yeah, this year we're putting out eight new kits so you can learn how to make a dinosaur or a cardinal head or a panda. Nice. And, yeah, and it's one of those things that's just going to keep growing because you can build into it. It's essentially the new form of Lego. So, yeah, it's, it's amazing. I really enjoyed it. I love the big one here that's in display. Um, so this is going to go out today, so hopefully anybody that's coming Sunday to Maker Fair, please come over here. He's just past the 3D printers, and uh, it's a great, look for John, it's a great product, and buy a bunch of them. <laughs> thank awesome. you so much. Yeah, thank you so much, and uh, hurry up, because last year we sold out on Sunday at 2 p.m., so, oh, yeah. Well, and uh, it's truxes.com, right? Truxes.com. All right, and that's T-R-O-X-E-S. All right, well, those were sort of all the interviews that we did um, and some of the, the media press conference. Um, I guess this will just be like a quick wrap-up, sort of our impressions of this year's fair, or even if you want to talk about some of the interviews that we did, sort of what stood out. When, when you, we'll just go back and forth when you give me yeah. something. Well, I think being at the press conference was really cool mm -hmm. uh, because it really gave us an overview of what was before right. how they're growing how they're changing and how they're not changing well, which well, i thought was really cool it was also interesting to hear like dale's vision of what the fair is um i guess i put that in the video that i did which has been out for a couple of, for probably a week now um sort of how he sees the fair you know and how it's not just uh it's not just a showcase for companies. The company is really about the makers, the, pe the people that make stuff mm -hmm. that aren't necessarily from a company, you know? Yeah, yeah. The other part that was really cool was that because of the um, interview that we had with him, we talked a lot about, um, not a lot, but we talked enough about equity mm -hmm. and specifically accessibility and specifically about participation. Right. So he was able to connect us with uh, some really cool um, uh, makers from Mexico because they mm -hmm. had just finished doing a um, a large it was like what was it like three three hundred thousand like three thousand I think makers three, yes that were present no it was three hundred makers and it was ah, like thirty thousand right. people or yeah. something like that showed up to yeah. yeah yeah in 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 a city in uh, in Mexico which yeah. was like yeah but it was really really interesting and then some of the makers were were at the fair so we were that's why you were able to hear some of the mm -hmm. interviews that we did. Yeah. Well, and, and I will say, I guess for me this year, it's funny because, you know, it, it is World Maker Fair, but when you have a booth, you almost don't experience that, right? Because most of the people you're seeing are the people that are visiting from New York City or from the nearby area. Um, I think this year, more than previous ones, I really sort of felt the international feel of the fair. There were a lot of people, people from China, there were people from Mexico, there were, you know, it was truly an international, it truly is an international fair. Mm -hmm. There was a, um, the last uh, session that we attended was specifically about uh, the, the maker, this movement, maker movement in Mexico, yeah. and also like this podcast that is mm -hmm. done, that is actually from here, the U.S., but it's predominantly uh, Latin American makers, right. so it connects all of them. That was pretty cool, and the, and the presentation that followed that was 
one that we're was a movie in, China. in China. No, it's no, Japan. Japan, Japan. So that was pretty cool. So mm -hmm. um, yeah, definitely, it's definitely a, an international movement. Then the other things that we saw in terms of the content of the fair, new things, they had a whole area of um, <laughs> tiny homes. That's what mm -hmm. we call them, right? I was yeah. going to say mini houses. Tiny homes. The same thing. <laughs> tiny homes. So that was that was okay. It was cool. Yeah. It had. Um, they also had different types of building materials and furniture um, structures that you can make that mm -hmm. are very much like origami with wood. Mm -hmm. That was kind of interesting to see. And then the plastic structures were also kind of cool. Everything related to recycling and mm -hmm. upcycling and and yeah, having this smaller, more minimalist mm -hmm. homes. Yeah, I, mean, I think the other part that I enjoy, I again, you know, when we have a booth, it's hard for us to go to the talks, but I was able to go to some more of the talks, and I got to meet some of the some makers that I that I watch on YouTube and, and stuff like that. You know, like a three D printing three D printing nerd was there, and uh, mm -hmm. so was uh, Bob Claggett was there. It's the people like that also, mm -hmm. you know, walking around the the fair. Yeah, uh, I think it's the first time we've seen. Uh, um, Adam Savage at New York Maker Fair. Oh, that's right. He's, that's he's, when, he's, when he yeah. fell off his chair. <laughs> he did. He, he fell off his chair. I didn't see it because I was, you know, was a lot short, of people yeah. was too short. But I heard the thump. Yeah. <laughs> the thump was definitely there. Mm -hmm. The other stuff that they had, they had this thing about um, uh, survivalist. Mm -hmm. uh, that's one of the things I wanted to do. I like in previous Maker Fairs, I've I've tried to do the soldering. Mm -hmm. Uh, this time I wanted to do that, but then Jose told me, well, Claudia, we can actually make fire at home. Yeah. <laughs> There's no need to. to wait in line here to make fire. Right. And I wanted yeah, to spend cool. more time doing other stuff. <laughs> you, could, you could gather up leaves and make fire at home. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think one of the things that for me disappointed me a little bit is it, there didn't seem to be as much 3D printing presence. Um, I know... Uh, Prusa was there, and they were showing their new SLA printer, and, and that was great, but other than that, there, it just wasn't as big a presence of 3D printers, or people doing 3D printer, or 3D printing companies, you know, so... Yeah, there were, there were I remember the one fair that had, like, the huge uh, printer, no, 3D printers outside, it was, right. like, basically, like, a, you know, like, a like farm. Rose. Yeah. Yeah, like a yeah. farm of 3D printers. And that was when there was a large European mm -hmm. um, presence. Right. I remember that one. That mm -hmm. one was pretty cool. Yeah, and, and I understand it to a degree. Like, it's disappointing for me, um, especially because I can compare it to previous years. But, I mean, it goes to what Dale says, that one, it's dependent on the people that are coming. But two, it's not really about the companies that want to show their product, right? It's not a tech show. It's a making show, a maker show. So the makers that want to show up and show what they're making, that's who's here. Yeah, that's why cosplay was there. there cosplay, was a lot yeah, more the first time they showed first cosplay. They show co yeah, they did yeah. A, a runway. Mm -hmm. thought that was pretty cool. And then, um, well, yeah, I mean, as we're wrapping up, I mean, some of the positives that it was really cool because it was at, towards the end of the, when we were at the presentation for um, the Maker Fairs, it's uh, Prototipando is uh, the name of the podcast and when we were sitting there in the audience I sat next to a friend of mine whom I met back in the Maker Fair in Miami yep. we were like sitting right next to each other so it was really cool that you know I was able to see uh, Christy Metz and she's from Metabolic Foundation mm -hmm. um, 
and in Aruba, it's basically a makerspace in Aruba. And then they had a table there too, so we went to see it. And it was just so cool, like seeing how much they've expanded, Hmm. but in a very um, sustainable way, not necessarily in the mainstream way that you would think, oh, now we have like a big, you know, like, um, makerspace with like five different you know printers and all these other things instead they're really uh focusing on doing more education outreach uh the government has been uh, supporting them a lot more which is really cool in in, the, in terms of you know that they're it's, it's an island so mm-hmm. it's like the resources are are even more minimal so yeah it was really cool seeing her so shout out to her and the work that they're doing because it's it's cool yeah yeah um Overall, um, I think you know just as good as uh, New York Maker Fair as any to me, for me, anyways. Because um, there was al- there's always new stuff, and that's the great thing about it is that no matter how many years you go, you still always find something new, something different. Yeah, so. the only setback for me is like is was the price. Um, yeah. Because I think that I I don't know whether it went up. I gotta I gotta look that up if it, it went up from last time. I haven't I have a inkling that it did. Right. That's and hard for us to tell because we haven't been paying to go in. We go in as either makers or we've been going because in because we're as working. During yeah, the we're day. working during the during the, during the entire right. during the entire event. Yeah. Um, but it did. It, but it did like that I was that, that wasn't yeah, yeah that was like it was in my view it's just it's noticeable and mm-hmm. it it goes a lot to the accessibility right because right. if you want more people to be there that are often underserved or unrepresented then the cost becomes a factor. Right. So that's that's the only thing that I would always caution with that. But other than that, I mean, it's like every awesome maker mm-hmm. fair that you go and... Alex definitely liked it. Mm-hmm. He was happy he went there. He bought um, himself a, a, drone. Uh, a drone. Yeah, he, he bought a drone with one of the guys we interviewed the in the previous podcast. Yeah. So... Yeah, and and he's the guy sold out. So actually, because I, I, I talked to him after the fact, mm-hmm. and uh, Ale, Alex was one of the lucky ones that got one because he sold out by like midday. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So see, that's I mean, it's cool. It's the coolest thing is always to introduce mm-hmm. new people to the maker movement, yeah. and that's what we were able to do, mm-hmm. and that was a plus. Yeah. So, I mean, that is I always will recommend it. Um, we'll be back there next year for sure. Yes. So. I love yeah. Queens. If I can move to Queens, I'll move. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I agree. Uh, but that's it for today, then. Yeah. We will be back next week. We are going to be at uh, Columbia Maker Fair. Columbia, Maryland. Maryland. Yeah, yeah, Columbia, Maryland. Not, not Columbia, South America. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which would be really cool, too. That would be nice. Okay, now that's what I'm going to start looking for. You're going to start looking Let's for it? Check out the map, because it's uh, on makerfair.com. Yep. That, that home, yeah. You can yep. check the, the map in there. Mm-hmm. But no, but we will be at Columbia, Maryland Maker Fair. And hoping to meet some people and have some interviews. And uh, we'll be playing that for you guys next week. Also, go check the YouTube channel for Made Podcast. And check the previous episode if you haven't heard episode 43 with some other interviews, including one from Dale Dougherty. And then watch the videos because we have them all on our podcast, Mm -hmm. uh, on our podcast social media. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, definitely follow YouTube channels, all that Mm -hmm. good stuff. And, yeah, sit tight because it's coming. We're Mm -hmm. coming back. Yep. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. All right. Bye-bye.